tip. Good afternoon. It is May 15th, 2023. You're listening to a little column A, a little column B, hosted by Will Levinos and co-hosted by Zach Bishop. How are you doing today, buddy? What is going on, Will? We have big problems. Us as millennials, we have gone too far. I'm pretty sure this guy's a millennial. Maybe it's Gen Z, but I really think he's still a millennial. He's a pilot. And strictly for YouTube video views, he crashed the the, the plane he was in. His own plane. Just for, for YouTube views. videos. For internet people that he doesn't know. Well, perhaps you don't understand the new sense of employment in these days, of which you can make money off of doing ridiculous stuff like that. He's okay, just, just possibly, trying to make a living. Possibly. Also, you if you crash a plane, you could get seriously hurt. Luckily, he was not. But he started off, he lied, said, oh, yeah, accident, crazy. But I, I don't know exactly what the... What was discovered, but I know actually, uh, I, I, actually, Sean, our uh, one of one of our, our great listeners, who's a firefighter, he's had to deal with uh, uh, plane crashes before. It's not the same as as the car crash where it's hey, we come in, you you clean up, and you go. The FAA gets involved and wants to know, hey, exactly what happened, and it's almost closer to a crime scene than necessarily an accident. So something gave it away that this guy did not. This was not an accident. This was on purpose, and he. He, he could face up to 20 years in prison for this. That sounds fair. Crashing planes, not a fun thing. Not something that I, I'm shocked by the, the viewership of interest in all of this. Is, is There must be like some sort of simulation where we can just, you know, everyone can get off of just watching that rather than actually doing this. There are movies, there are effects, there are other visuals of all this. The, 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 the real practical part about all this seems a little overdue and a little just over the top, I guess, in, in no other way to say it. Not my cup of tea. Are you watching plane crashes in your free time? Is that your your YouTube algorithm? No, I have not come across plane crashes. I watch a lot of other kinds of crashes, you know, on on the ground, but I've not really seen many plane crashes. But he did rack up over three million views. All right. Now that we've said this both on our podcast right now, how long like do you think either of us will see a plane crash video sent to us within the next week, like before the next podcast? I, I don't think the algorithm will send one to us. I could see one of our listeners sending one to us, but I, I, I don't think that you'll, you'll see that. I, I, I think Because that's not ads. If it was something ad-related, because if you were to say, are one of, will one of us get something Yeah, don't say it. Don't plates? say it, because I don't want to get it right now. I'm already exhausted of the commercials throughout the NBA playoffs. It's, it's, it's exhausting. The volume is, is so loud, and they're so awful. I don't understand why why people don't want to just have the like a million different types of commercials. They can't just have the same one over and over again. It's it shouldn't be that hard to make a commercial anymore. You can alter it, add, add new music. It could be the same commercial. You just change the music. It's driving me nuts. I, I I can't I can't do it anymore. I'm glad they're only down to four teams at this point. I can't handle the commercials anymore of anything any other part of this. But I did watch a lot of basketball. I watched the Celtics, the victorious Celtics. The Celtics that I've never had a doubt in. Oh my god, I can't even say it like authentically like that. It's <laughs> the strain, the stress, the 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 fact that we were pushing it to a game seven, the the questioning the all week of I know this team's better than that other team. How are we at how are we in the situation we're in? Not only are we forced to game seven, we were down in the series, going on the road, done everything incorrectly game five, and we start off game six. Because we have to start there. We can't just jump right to Game 7. We start off Game 6. Why don't we start with Game 5? 
do you game want, five was after I, our last podcast. I don't want to do game. You want to do game five? I don't want to do game five. I, I wanna, just want to say, I just want to say that it was just a roller coaster of emotions with the with the Celtics since we last talked. The last talk it was tied up two two and was all right, best of three, and just I, I still feel confident. Then game five happened and it was terrible. It was one of the worst games I've seen the Celtics play. And it like the whole next day, I was just in a funk because of it. And that doesn't happen very often. And it wasn't even until before game six on, on Thursday, it, it, probably like lunchtime, like the afternoon was when I finally was just kind of, all right, let's turn this into a positive. Like, let's just, let's just make it happen. Just a game seven. Let's just focus on this one. See where we can get to. So yes, we can start with game six. Now. Game six. We're on the road. We're actually in control of this game for majority of the game. We're kind of flirting with a, you know, eight point, ten point lead. We were, we were up by 16, weren't we? I, I think at most, well, all right, sure. At one point, I'm sure that might be the high point. But for the most was, part of this game. It was in the first, first half, yeah. For the most part of this game, we're we're in control of it. And you're looking at the stat line, and they keep bringing this up. Because how could you not bring it up? Is that Tatum, like, hasn't made a shot. Like, he's 0 for, I think he ends up being 1 for 16, going 0 for in the first half. And and then they're starting to say like, hey, he hasn't had like a really good first quarter at all this series. Like it, it's it's been a long time. He's just missing shots. And, and it's he game was six. like zero for twenty eight or something in I think it was game four, five, and six in the in the first quarter. Like just how in game six he's having the worst game of his career, at least shooting wise, where he's just not making any shots. And somehow the team is up, but we all know we're on the road. It's going to take a little bit more than that. And suddenly he starts heating up. We start getting the switch onto Embiid, which I think is the real key move that we we were doing and that other teams necessarily weren't doing. Like I think Phoenix is another one that they're going to look at this all over again and say, yeah, I understand Durant can score on anyone, but wouldn't it be a lot easier if you got the switch onto Jokic? Like none of these centers can guard any of you guys. Like even the good ones, Embiid, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year before. Like this is an excellent basketball player, and yet I still think putting a mismatch on him because of his size is too hard. The other thing it does is when you force him to switch and he has to come guard Tatum all the way out the three-point line and Tatum's just cooking from three, there's no help because now he's out guarding Tatum. He's not rebounding. There's nobody behind him. There aren't any other bigs. Like Defensively, you know, I, I thought it was kind of silly to attack Embiid, but I, I guess it's somewhat counterintuitive just because all of the other four guys are, are not good defenders. Like, Are you threatened by Maxi or Tucker or Harden? Harris maybe? Not, not, not really. So if you get around Embiid, and you drag them all the way out the three-point line, there's no one else waiting for you there. And the other thing that we were doing defensively was we locked down after this. It felt like once Tatum got going in that fourth quarter, our defense suddenly locked down for the next game, and it was locked down all game seven. We have Rob Williams just coming off of help, stressing everything out of this, and guarding Tucker, who is just sitting in the corner, not doing anything. I, I, I thought that was a good move. I, I'll give I'll give the coach a little bit of credit for, for putting Rob in and – I didn't think it would have been that. Started him. He played a lot better, and our defense was a lot better. But there's a whole lot of other things that happened in this game seven. Tatum blows up for 51. Playoff record, Celtic record. I mean, what, what else What else can we say about this? He, he Game seven record. He's 6 of 10 from three. I think that's that's a huge part about all this when you get cooking from that far. It's just impossible to guard you. It's, you can get to the rim. You can get to the free throw line, and you're hitting that step back three. Very, very hard to stop you. I, I, I don't he, know whether he, he was flirting. He was flirting with that Steph Curry stratosphere, where you see him hit a, a deep three, a, you know, a nice step back. It's just like, ooh, okay. And then he comes down, 
and then he goes to the hoop and he does something cool, and then just the third time you're just like you, you just can't even believe what you're seeing. Just how how did how do you make that in? And he just did that for an entire game. I was I was concerned at halftime where we're only up three. He's got 26 points. The game before he's got no points. Just like how are we not up more? It, it, can, can he continue to sustain this, or is he going to go back into his funk? And he for sure did not go back into his funk. Now, we could give Tatum his flowers. It's fine. I still feel like we were the better team. And as much as I want to congratulate him for being the better player in this playoff, at least for that matchup, because he was the best player on the floor in Game 7, I don't see any other reason to really value any of the other games over that one. I mean, sure, there's, there's critical plays and all that. But the consistency is so, just so frustrating with him where it's like, I want to give him the crown. I want to give him his flowers. But, you know, it's not... It's not. I, I'm glad he did it when we needed it, and that that does mean something. But wouldn't it be nice if he was just and we, constantly we, reliable? We needed it at the end of game six. We needed it at the end of game six too, where things were were slowing down and it was not quite going all of our way. And then all of a sudden he just ex- exploded and he scored more points than the whole Sixers team in the in the fourth after just having a terrible game. And then it just carried over into game seven. And I'm really hoping he's unlocked something, or I, I don't even know what it would be, but that he just plays. It doesn't have to be 50-point games. It doesn't even have to be 40-point games. Just not, like, awful games. And we're going we're gonna to be, we're, we're be fine. All right, a couple other things about the game. Boston was 15 for 33 from three. Tatum was 6 to 10 from three. Horford, 2 for six. Brown, 3 for six. Brogdon, 2 for six. Marcus Smart, 1 for three. Three for seven field goals for the whole game, not taking a whole lot of shots. And had two turnovers, but they were the first two turnovers and didn't have any after that. So I... I think this is a little bit better of the more the smart I like, the guy that doesn't take a lot of jump shots. Now, Tatum wasn't really giving anyone a whole lot of options. He's just chucking up a whole bunch of things, and there was no reason not to because everything's going in. On the flip side of that, on Philly, they are 8 for 37. They took more threes than us and made half of them. Embiid was 0 for 4. Harden was 1 for 5. Maxi 2 for 6. Harris, 1 for 7. Tucker, 3 for 6. And, t- and Tucker's 3 were the fir- in the first quarter, so very similar to kind of Smart's turnovers where – that was it. Like that's a misleading stat line where it's like, oh, he's three for six. That's that's pretty good. I wonder if he hit like a big shot or something. He's like, no. They were, I think they were all in the first quarter. I think he had eleven points in the first quarter. We're we're scratching our head. Like, are we really gonna lose the PJ Tucker in game seven? Like, is this gonna be the PJ Tucker game? Like, he's on pace for, for forty points right now. <laughs> I can't I can't even wrap my head around all that. But the the guy that in game one literally didn't shoot. It was scared to shoot. A couple other things about him beating Harden. Embiid had four turnovers, Harden five turnovers. It's it's just it just wasn't a good game, and, and I know we could play the blame game, but before we blame these two, and I think the media has crushed them almost unfairly to the point. There's only one guy I really want to crush on Philly, and, and we're gonna have an entire segment on this. But uh, the George Niang grab from the bench, the the most bush league. Like, are we not all the same players? Like, do you not want the same safety offered to you? Like, you can't. You can't do that. The, the, the grabbing Jalen Brown as he was falling into the sideline bench, George Niang of the Philadelphia 76ers, for whatever reason, just grabbed Jalen's leg and like slowed him down from leaving. Now, it was minor, but I don't like the idea that you can make contact for that. I have no idea why he wasn't ejected. I feel like they've been ejection happy for a lot of other things that were, were far less. Uh, like, this is just a dirty play. Like, what is there to gain out of this? There's no accidental anything. This is, I'm trying to cheat right now i'm trying to slow this guy down and i'm not even in the game 
And and it, for me, it's just flip that around. Like if you were the other, if you were that guy and he's grabbing you, there's no way you would be cool with that. So like this is just not a cool play. I thought this was the worst play of the whole game, possibly the the playoffs. And you know, I, as much as I'm going to trash John Morant later, this for me is just so less forgiving as well. Like this is self inflicted. There, there's no. And he's such an irrelevant player either, and it worked. That's the other thing. It worked. He was able to get a technical on Jalen and a double technical on him that it basically just washed, and now Jalen's just one technical away from getting tossed. It was a great play by him in that sense, but this is ridiculous. I, I, I'm i shocked I haven't heard a suspension, a, a fine, or anything. I, I heard you sent me earlier right before the podcast that the, the technical was rescinded. That's great news. But yep. like, Can you think of anything else like this, though, where – I mean, this is basically coming off of the bench, and if you come off the bench, it's a huge suspension. Like, that's a big no-no. It costs the Phoenix Suns. Like, talk to Omari and all those guys about this, and tell, ask them how they feel. And if, if George Yang doesn't see some sort of form of punishment, I just think that's wrong. Uh, what, what, what would you? What do you think? And what do you think kind of fits the crime here? It it didn't make any sense because uh, the Celtics were going on offense, so you grab the guy's leg and you stop him for at most what a second. And he was already trailing the play anyway. So just whoever was bringing the ball up just like waits a beat and he's there. I, I don't know. I thought maybe he thought he could he could do that and just try to get in, in Jalen's head and that Jalen would just kind of run down the court and you know just you know uh, whatever. But he didn't. He stopped and turned around. And then I was surprised. You know, I thought it was maybe my bias that it's like, wait a minute, why is Jalen Brown getting a technical here? Scott Foster said that it was taunting the bench but it wasn't taunting and it, it, it he wasn't talking to the referee but i can get where scott foster's at the other end of the court he just sees one celtics player go, going at the uh the whole philly bench so you just kind of assume you know you you just knocked down harden got a got a big play it's game seven but i'm glad that they they got rid of it i also i is it strange I'm sure he's gonna get, that they reviewed he's, it he's, like they're taking a look at this Man, and you—they still gave us the result you just said. Like they slowed it down. Uh, but I, at least what they were saying on the on the broadcast was, it, once you assess a technical foul, you can't take it back. Well, I, I'm not saying I want to start reviewing technical fouls, but this is very much of all right. We 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 caught the retaliation. We didn't catch the original act, but then I thought that was kind of the point of reviewing plays was to be able to fix creative situations. Very very much like this, where it, it just seemed it just seemed wrong. It just seemed wrong, and I'm glad they rescinded it. But at the time, not only not only did it work and, and get a technical on Jalen, it killed the fast break. They stopped the game. We have numbers. You know, they it was just such an effective play by Georgie Yang for not even doing it. But I guess that's kind of how it should be when it's six NBA players versus five. <laughs> I I really thought when I uh, when I when I first saw the replay, it was uh, Jalen when he was kind of coming out of the Sixers area, bumped into Sam Cassell. So I thought that's what he. I thought that's what he was mad about, thinking he got bumped. And then on the replay, I'm looking, and Sam Cassell is standing there, but he he's looking the down the court where the ball is. Had no idea that Jalen was right behind him. So just like, oh man, Jalen might be wrong on this, thinking he got bumped. Where really, there was no way Sam Cassell could even see him. But then the the other angle, then just just bizarre. He's he's definitely gonna get fined. Well, we'll wait and see. He's not a big name. He didn't have a great series. It, it's it could easily I could see it blowing over, but I just it, there there could be a precedent set here of like, hey, we don't want players doing this, and there's there's a very easy way to make an example out of someone here. I just, I just don't like it. I'm all for the competitive attitude. I'm all for the trash talk. I'm all for the bench.
doing everything they can. I think it's a little bush league when guys shoot in the corner and they stand up or clap or anything all like that. But that's that's at least not crossing the line versus touching them is clearly crossing the line, right? Like that's if there's whatever lines drawn that, between that's there. That's a play the, the grabbing the knee. We we we've seen that a couple of times in on, on the court, and guys are very much not a fan of it. So you're really not expecting it from from the bench off off the court. So yeah, that's why I think he he's. I think it's gonna be. The news came out that Jalen's tech was rescinded. They got a little more time because the Sixers are, are done. They're toast. Their season's over. And then they're going to get him with a uh, with, with a nice little fine down down the way. All right. Speaking of Philly being done, there's a couple things I think we gotta we got to talk about with Philly here. First one, they're getting crushed. And it may be deservedly so. Doc Rivers is getting crushed for blowing another lead, losing another Game 7. And if you go back and we look at all of these series, is Doc Rivers – like the overqualified underdog where he was never the better team in any of these scenarios anyway. Like the fact that he was able to force a game seven in a lot of these, I think is deserving of some credit, but to never really get any of them. I mean, it's not like he's never won any of them, but it to the blow leads over and over again. And just watch these accumulate. I, I almost feel like it's unfair at this point where it is like, it's a different team every year. You know, it may be the same coach, but there's different circumstances. You're playing different guys and, I don't like the accumulation of saying, like, yeah, I can't win big games, can't get over this, you know, don't give him a series lead. It's it's like, is he, should he get credit for gaining the series lead, or, or is he always going to be the blame of blowing the series lead? Like, there has to be a balance here where I, I still think he's a good coach. I still think he did a good job. The, the problems I have with this whole offense is that Harden doesn't move on offense. So, like, I watched us double and beat all the time, and there's Harris in the corner, and there's, like, Maxi up top with Harden and then Tucker is kind of floating around and a lot of the times those guys are standing so close together that one guy can guard both of them which is so easy to double off of then and then not only is it easy to double it's hard to pass out of for Embiid and the double like there's there's a lot of situations where I I, I feel bad for Embiid it's like yeah we're doubling you because no one else is moving on this like just sure give it to Tucker in the corner and we had to we had to because Al Horford was our best defender on Embiid, and when Embiid got the ball in the post and really went to work, he would score or get fouled every time. Well, I just I would point more to that lack of basketball movement, and I and I relate it entirely to Harden too, because when he's running the offense, guys will move around him because he's moving with the ball. But without the ball, he's as stable as ever. I, he doesn't backdoor cut. He doesn't go set screens. He doesn't spread the floor at all, and it just makes the not only does it not spread the floor at all with that. The defense doesn't have to move if no one else moves. It's the easiest defense you could ever play. Like you just stay in position and you're ready to help. And it's just it's just frustrating to watch. And I'm watching the spacing and some of the shots of a lot of these guys. I, I rewatched the entire uh, the entire game. One, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to watch the Tatum highlights because that that was fun. But I kept seeing all the highlights over and over again. It was like, man, we just got this switch on to Embiid like a whole lot. And I I just thought he was trying to be like, yeah, you won your MVP, but you know, here here's a little something for you, but. It really feels like that was a strategy, and maybe it was a smart strategy. I, I think, like I said in other series, I think you should attack the big. I think if you want to beat Denver, you you got to put Jokic in the pick and roll. And, and that's 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 kind of where I'm at right now with this. And I hope Tatum is constantly going to be able to put whoever he has to in a pick and roll, and they're going to be struggling because I don't think any of the guys left here is as good a defender as Embiid. So maybe maybe we got a good thing going for us here. Uh, do you have any, any comments on the Doc and the Philly struggles? Like, Is there anything you would pinpoint as saying, we should maybe adjust this or this is a change or th this is kind of what we're wrong. Well, there's a little bit of a trifecta. 
Doc's had his trouble with leagues and with game sevens. Harden has, uh, it's kind of like a known thing that he does not play nearly as well in the playoffs. And, you know, argument can be made, is it something to do with clutch? Does it have something to do with the playoffs are, are officiated a little bit differently? And then with Embiid, he ran to the Celtics again. We, we have his number. I, don't, I think it's just Al Horford, really. And I, when they signed him, I was really concerned because it was, oh, that's the guy. Even, even if he doesn't play for them, just having not having him on our team, it, uh, that's, that's going to hurt us. But we got Al back. Al played great yesterday. I saw, I saw the numbers when he was the primary defender on Embiid. It was great. But, I mean, I think it was oh, maybe like 2019. I mean, it was a few years ago now, and Bede said something like, this isn't a rivalry because they always kick our ass. And it happened again. So it's just a trifecta. All right. Well, one more, one more Philly excuse history here of this whole trust the process thing. And Bede can trust it all he wants. But he's trusted the wrong people to run this process for way too long at this point. And I know they've fired people and they've been in and out. And, you know, the, there was guys before with different GMs. And I, I, how many GMs has Embiid had over his career at this point? It's it's probably a couple more than, than most players. And it's just so many misses, so many wasted draft picks. I mean, you can go back. We can go Jaleel Okafor. We can go Ben Simmons and see how that panned out. And then it gets even worse where you let guys like Jimmy Butler go because of that, too. You let you end up drafting Markel Fultz, of which you trade up, and you could have had Tatum. Like there's there's so many of like if you just let it call play out and trust the process and don't get cute with any of this stuff. You know how many of these guys that they draft don't even play in their rookie year too, of which sir, sure Embiid does miss a lot of time, and some of those years do overlap. But those are years of which you have Embiid, and you're hoping you're adding a high draft pick, and they just don't play that first year, and then you're just starting over again the next year, and the next year, and the next year. So many things go wrong for Embiid at this point. And I think that Jimmy Butler year of which he's there, I mean, what, what is Kawhi in the corner? It hits that crazy three. If they walk into the finals, the same injuries happen to Golden State. Who knows? We probably have an entirely different opinion about Embiid. But this feels like the window's closing because I want to talk about all the teams that were eliminated this week between the Warriors, Phoenix, Knicks, and 76ers and ask you, like, who's going to be better next year? Which one of these teams has the best shot of even just making it to the second round? And are any of them even going to be any more successful than they can be than they were this year? And I don't even know if they can be. Some of the moves they can they have here, I, I'm, I'm not for re-signing Harden. I I don't think that that's the right guy to have in, with Embiid. I think if Embiid is going to constantly get doubled like this, you got to have guys that are willing to move off ball. Like he'd almost be better off with a guy like Bruce Brown from Denver, who just loves to cut off ball, or 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 like an Austin Reeves who just at least likes to game control a little bit, but knows how to play within the flow of an actual moving offense. I, I just nobody's been excited about the way James Harden's game's going to age. I just we saw a little flash here, game one of kind of what it looks like solo, and I'm curious if someone's going to try and take a shot at that. But I, I don't, I don't see well, this working awesome out in, in Philly. In game four as well. I, I just don't see it working out in Philly, and I don't think it's the best guy to pair with Embiid. I think he needs he needs someone who's a little bit more willing to work with him and not as much of your turn, my turn. And I just don't see how they they merge together. And perhaps it's coaching. Maybe bring in a new coach and they're able to figure it out. But I I'm not sure you're ever going to be able to count on Harden in these big games. And, and maybe you could put yourself in a situation where you don't have to, but this year they were, and that cost them. So it's up to you whether you want to decide next year, do we want to put ourselves in a situation where maybe we can get Harden, who plays like game one or game four, or are we more likely to be in the reality of accepting that he might not be that guy at all at any of these points, and we might have to go in a different route. I'm not sure where you find those 
I'm not sure what other moves you can make here. I'm not sure what other teams are going to be willing to help you out here. I also think there's this looming dark, dark story for Philly where what if Embiid just like says everything I just said and is like, I've given you everything. I want out. Like, is that unfair of him at this point? Do you think that would be unjust? That wouldn't be even close to the worst superstar to ever request this. Like he, he's got a laundry list of stuff. This is starting to feel a little bit more like a, like a watered down KG stuck in Minnesota version where I don't know why this guy hasn't won yet. It's like, it's, I, you can point a little bit at him. I think there's some blame and I just think that a lot of other things out of his control he's had to put up with and that he's, he's done. It's not quite like the Durant situation where he's finger pointing or GM LeBroning. I, I don't think it's quite like that. I, at least I have a different feeling about it. I don't know. What, what would you, what are you kind of hoping for, for Philly next year? If you were a Philly fan, for this crazy hypothetical scenario. Uh, yeah, what? Well, I, was ex- I was expecting you to call me call me a, a Sixers fan. I've been very anti-Sixers. Now I'm like, I, I you know, I, 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 I wouldn't set my feet into their shoes. I'd throw their shoes out into the, into all the right, parking lot. All right, fine, fine. You are, so you are trying, the GM. To, put the GM hat on. Here you go. I, I just trying, put it on trying you. to adjust. One of the things that's a little bit tricky with this is Harden has a, a player option. So it's really Harden's decision whether he's coming back or if you're going to, if he wants to work on a, a longer term deal. So you as the GM, you got to kind of wait and figure out, hey, what is Harden going to do? If he walks, that's a lot of money that you just can't replace. You know, maybe, maybe you're better off with some cap space at this point. I just think you'd be better off with a whole bunch of bodies and a whole bunch of shooters. And I, I just I, I wouldn't pay Harden. I think this team's better off with like a bunch of Seth Curry's that they kind of had going for a little bit. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's not the Sixers' decision. It's Harden's decision. I think you look to trade him then if he signs. Okay, all right. So that, that that's a different option. I, I, I think you but I think you look to move. You got you got to find the right the right partner. And I'm not sure you're going to do that. But I think if if I'm in the draft right now, I, it's it's an appealing. It's a big swing. I, I, I think that's what I try to do. I think I try to do it on the draft for someone else right now that one of these young teams that it really wouldn't help them to have a young player. It'd be much beneficial. I just, it's hard. This Westbrook and Harden thing, they don't fit in anywhere. Like, I just talked about how this guy can't play with the MVP of the league. Who the hell is he going to be able to play with? Like, and, and we're supposed to give I up think, something to get him? Like, that's, that's, it's just it's hard. I, I think this might be what you, you look at is – a little more of a, of a short-term situation. You could pretty much get all of the guys that were on the team this year, sign them back, try to run it back. It's not the best, uh, you know, to tell your fans, but say, hey, you know, we took Boston to, to seven games. They could do the whole thing where they complained about game six and all the calls that they missed, and they can kind of spin this however they, they want to, saying, hey, we got the MVP, and Bede's going to be even better next year. But really the focus is on the 2024-2025 season, where uh, Embiid is on the books and PJ Tucker has a player option. Besides that, there is nobody on the books. So that's what you sell to Embiid if he's saying, hey, I think I want to get out of here. Say, hey, one more season. Then after that, this is going to be a blank slate. We can go out and we could try to get whatever superstar you're looking to pair up with and you start making the moves now. And so say, hey, just just sit tight. And I think Daryl Morey would be able to, you know, Make make that happen. Yeah, go ahead. Trust the process. The problem is, is Maury and Harden, I think, are kind of like boys at this point. And nah, but the trust the process. I mean, it's a fun joke, but that's been over for a long time. Trust the process. You know what's funny is I feel like the Celtics trusted the process better, 
because we did it. We did it. We drafted Young. We never did the AD trade. The, I mean, the biggest thing we did was trade or for the Brogdon. Jimmy Butler trade or the Kawhi trade or the Paul George trade. We never did it. What did we do? We, we trusted the process. I feel like, if anything, we, we've honored the same process, and it's been way more successful. Now, we don't have a ring either. No, because you know, we, 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 we tanked the one year, and then we got Marcus Smart, and then afterwards, we've, we've been trying to win. Yeah, and that it was in spite of the big free agent signing of, of Gordon Hayward, which that feels like like decades ago at this point. But Right. You know, that – that that was our year. We had Kyrie, we had Gordon Hayward, and we had these young guys, and we were we were going to groom the young guys, and they were going to become hopefully what what they are actually right now. And that's that's the process. That's the process. All right, now let's talk about the process for next season. Right that's now, that's Danny Ainge. That's Danny Ainge. You gotta I remember that. I don't really want to get into the other elimination games. They weren't really much of a games, but there are teams that were eliminated, as I mentioned earlier. And, and I want to talk about what teams can kind of do to be better, or which one of these teams can actually be better next year, if any of them at all. And that's the Warriors, that's the Phoenix Suns, that's the New York Knicks, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers. Zach, I ask you, which one of these teams will be better next year or at least have a more successful season than getting eliminated in the second round? I mean, will any of them even make it to the second round? The Suns will be better next year. All three of the other ones will be worse. That's kind of what I had circled down here. I got reasons if you want to go uh, team by team. Let's start with the Warriors. Why will the Warriors not be better next year? The Warriors are going to be worse because Clay is getting worse. It, he's for sure. He's going to have one of these quarters. Or he'll have this game where he turns back the clock. I'm not saying that he's going to be out of the league, but I'm just saying he doesn't have that Clay Thompson just exclamation points unreal. He, he's He's been healthy for a while now, and I just think, He's just not quite there anymore. I think he's going to have to just kind of transition to more of a more of a role player. He's getting paid pretty well, and it's just going to be tough to continue doing that. As well as uh, the pool signing, that might have been a mistake. That extension, he's making a whole it, his extension starts next year, and it did not look 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 so hot. Uh, as well as the the young guys are having no impact. I mean. Can you think of anything from the the past series that Kaminga or Moses Moody did that said, "Ooh, yep, yep, I think so." They already traded Wiseman away, so got rid of one guy, and then the other two. Kaminga was a seven was a seventh pick, and Moody was the fourteenth pick. So that's three lottery guys that seem to be making really no impact in the playoffs, and they're not rookies anymore. They're still young. Something still could happen, but. It really seems like they, they, they really missed their, their mark on these guys. Well, they lost their value is, is really what it was, and it cost them picks. They could have had other players at those picks. I mean, I look at the, the Halliburton situation. Like, that's, you know, that, that's, that was a guy kind of floating around over there that goes a little bit later to the Kings. Uh, it's, it's options that for all these guys. I don't know. The, the drafts are hard. I, I, I understand that. But they really, they really went for it here, trying to rebuild while still being competitive with Curry. And you look back at it now and you're like, I don't know why they set Curry up to be with all these young guys here. We should have traded all these things for role players. We should have had so-and-so. I'm not, I'm not going to do any hypotheticals of the trades, but we all know that those guys had values and teams were calling about them. You know, Wiseman for sure. Because it, it felt a lot more like these guys just couldn't get on the floor because why would they? Look at, look at the team they're trying to – look at the guys whose minutes they're trying to take away. But they started becoming a lot more dependent on them, you know, with the clay injury. 
and the comeback of all that and the kind of the struggle of it. You know, Curry, Curry's still been amazing. Like, the, the, I, I think that at the end of the day, Curry might be the best player out of all of these, all, all of all these four teams we're talking about right now, and that that might just mean everything. That might be enough that they're just better with him there. The the Clay thing is is disappointing, but I I think it's mostly not only is he not shooting as well, his defense isn't as good, and he has this such a gunslinger shot that it's almost unjustified. Where he he's bordering on a reckless shooter, but we all hope that that recklessness just gets corrected again into this fantastic, incredible shooter and. It just doesn't age well, and this is kind of what it looks like as it ages, and it's it's kind of sad, and it's fine. I don't know. Maybe he's still going to have some games, I imagine, but I, I wouldn't be as reliant on him. Defensively, it, it's it's not what it used to be either, though. You know, the Wiggins situation is interesting. I still think that they have some pieces that they could move. Like I, I wonder, like is Jordan Poole just kind of a, a relocation, and he, he fixes all these problems, or do you think it's a lot more of this is who he is, last year was kind of a little less of what he was, and and this is going to be a really hard contract to trade. Because I, I really imagine if the Draymond thing, as you mentioned throughout the entire year, and I tried to play down the entire year, did matter as much as you think it mattered, if we just get this guy in a new location, is suddenly that contract not so bad? And suddenly is that maybe you can get him on the cheap versus you would have never been able to get him last year? That If you're the Warriors, that is going to be what you're going to have to try to sell to another team because he is at his lowest value right now compared to the past year and a half. I think I would take a chance on him still as as a scorer. The contract is expensive. Yeah, but you're not gonna, you're not paying you're not paying full price for him. You're saying eh, a lot of money. Uh, I don't know. He didn't look so hot. I mean, I'll, I'll throw this in, but not the. Oh yeah, what, what, tell us what the price is. Yeah, we, we we need this guy on our team. Well, would you would you do James Harden for for Jordan Poole? Like, is that like how crazy we're getting here? Like, it's not that crazy, but like, would you do Westbrook for Jordan Poole? Hmm. Or Kuzma? Well, no, Kuzma, no the, Warriors Kuzma for, the Warriors don't want Westbrook. Kuzma for Jordan Poole? The Wizards? The Wizards? Poole's got to be better than Kuzma, right? It's just a relocation, though. It's, 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 I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I, I just think I'm, if you're I'm the Warriors. Thinking this, I'm thinking of, you're kind of making it as like a, a pool situation, but I'm trying to you know, think of it more as the Warriors. Who do the Warriors want coming in to actually help them? Well, you're not going to get like OG Ananobi for that. I mean, although maybe, no. maybe Toronto needs some scoring. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. I just think it's one of those, they signed him to the big extension. It seemed, uh, no, absolutely. Played great last year, played great in the finals. And now it's just a, was it a one year blip or was last year the blip? The only reason that I still hold out hope for him. I mean, it was bad. It was unplayable this year. It, it's, it's un. <laughs> I'm not going to argue that it was was playable and that, that it should have continued to play him and they should have gave him more chances and more shots. He got all his chances. He got all his shots. It just wasn't happening. But last year, it wasn't just that he was scoring. It was the percentages. He shot an excellent three-point percentage last year, and that was taken with some some pretty aggressive shooting. And I, I just think good percentages, you can't fake. You know, if you take a lot of shots, you can't fake it. And and that's just something I, I would I would factor in, that if, he, if he's going to be that type of shooter and shoot that type of percentage, I think I think it's worth entertaining, and maybe you could get them on the cheap. As well as if you're the Warriors, you don't really have any other moves. Like you know, if you're moving any of the other guys, you're doing big moves. If you move on from Draymond, that's just a big locker room move. If you move on from Wiggins, that's only a bigger contract, and you got to get a bigger piece back. The pool thing, it's kind of a bigger contract, but I don't think you need to ask for as big of a piece back. Maybe just a more important piece, a piece that's uh, a little bit more of a veteran, a little bit more reliable, 
and and maybe a little bit more defensive. Uh, not not as much of a defensive liability. I, I I don't know. I I'm I'm with you though. Out of the four teams here though, I think the Phoenix Suns will be the better team next year. They had no depth this year, and I, and I think that's just gonna be an easy thing saying like, hey, who wants to go play with uh, possibly Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant? Anyone? I I'm willing to bet there's a long list, and it may not even be the sexiest list of free agents out there, but I'm I'm willing to bet they're gonna get some they, guys. They legitimately can't afford anybody sexy. They uh. It doesn't have to be. They though. only have. They only have six guys under contract for next year, and I'm pretty sure when I looked that their salary next year is like more than this year, or it doesn't really decline that much. But I, I my my thing was, you you can fill those in. You, you'll find it. You can re-sign some of the guys that are on your team and you'll you'll pay it's a new owner he'll for sure play the luxury tax you, you just traded for kevin durant you're not gonna all of a sudden go ah no no i'm not so sure it's like yep give him what he needs and they'll find some ring chasers and you like you, you named the main guys hopefully chris paul can you know stay healthy i think that's kind of just what we always say but he's no longer has to be the number one or number two he's the three or three or the four and i think having kevin durant there for a full season uh is gonna help think about it he got traded and then got hurt pretty quickly and then kind of had to play in the playoffs i just you, you didn't play with your teammates it takes a while for basketball to kind of gel even when you're you're that good at just having the trust and knowing where guys are going to be knowing their tendencies know knowing what what spots they like the ball in them knowing where you like uh you know get getting the ball and where you like to shoot and i think just having a full season next year I, I think that they can they can improve yeah i agree with everything you just said why did they fire the coach then because like that's all fair and, like, who do you think you're bringing in that's going to be better than this? Like, I, I just They fired the coach because for the second year in a row, they went out of the playoffs at home getting shellacked. Down 30 points at the half, back-to-back years. That was that. That is a – if they had lost a close game, I think his job's fine. But I think when that happens, something has to happen. It's almost a little bit of knee-jerk of – and you can't get rid of any of the players. It's this can't happen. When you get beat 30 at the half, that's embarrassing. That is, I'm the owner. I'm embarrassed. Not anymore. Not going to happen. I, I still think it's a little unfair. I get it, though. I, I see it. And then the, the, thing, the only reason I wouldn't have done it is that it's like, all right, he might have lost the locker room a little bit. But I don't think, like, they could easily, half this locker room could be out next year. And it could be all new guys coming in. Like, you just shuffle some stuff around. Like, I think they should be targeting guys. these. I'm just saying, I'd rather have someone like Joe Ingles than Cameron Payne. All right, like, like that's that's in the similar money category right now. Maybe that's similar youth, but I think a Joe Ingles guy who is slow, old, and at least takes care of the ball would have so much more value than than someone like Campaign who we can't just trust on at all. I, I, there's there's just an unpredictability that I don't like playing with, and I think they need a little bit more of I know what I'm getting from certain guys, and those are the type of things I would do. All right, so now we both are in agreement that Phoenix will likely be the better team. I have no idea what the Sixers can do. I think the Knicks can get as frisky as they want. I think they have a lot of tradable contracts. And and I think they, they have this weird New York appeal that we kind of make up all the time. But it's it seems to be making a little bit of noise. I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't move RJ at all. I, if anything, I think he had – I think he was better this year. I think I would still say it was an improvement. It wasn't perfect. It's still not the guy I think we were all hoping for. But I think we're getting a step closer to that having some bigger playoff games, showing up in some bigger moments when other guys, Randall, don't show up. I, I, I think that's a key key thing right there. And I think you nailed it with Brunson. That's a, that's a home run. So I, I just think you have some things you can move around, though, and I do think you have some youth 
that other teams may even be interested in. I, I, I kind of like Grimes. I'm not sure if he stays there, but I think that's something you could package with something into something. And and I think they have a lot of those guys. So I think they could have a frisky offseason. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do it. But I, I think there's a right way. That there's, a, there's a formula here that I think they could get the right pieces around all of this. I just don't know what you do with Randall or what you're hoping to get back with him. Like, would you trade Randall for Jordan Poole? Like, is that bad? It's like, hey, here's here's my problem for your problem. Here's what we're frustrated <laughs> with, and here's what you're frustrated with. Yeah, let's just swap. They're just totally different players. Completely. I, you know, the other thing that just a little frustrates me is Thibodeau, he's great at building the house. He's not so great at kind of finishing it. Like, you know, he plays guys extraordinary minutes. He doesn't really love young guys all the time, or he plays them – 48 minutes a game, and then we wonder why their career ended in three years. And I'm not entirely sold on him being the right guy for this team. They seem to still respect the hell out of him, and that toughness that they had in Cleveland really showed. But the flaws against Miami, I mean, how is Miami just punking everybody? Like, this is, just doesn't make any sense at all to me still. But I, uh, I'm not sure Thibs is the, the, the perfect answer to all of this, and I, I'll tell you what, Jordan Poole is never going to play if, Thibs, if Thibodeau is still the coach there. I, I can't imagine that defensive nightmare. Uh, but I, I still think that they have the most moves available out of all the teams here. The Warriors do, but they got to really make some some tough decisions if they want to make those moves, and I'm not sure they have as sexy pieces. So I, I think the Knicks could make the most noise and actually jump Phoenix if they do all the right moves. Now, we could say all those moves are crazy at the time, and then they pan out one way or another, and Phoenix could just sit with the roster they have and watch – all the ring chasers walk in eventually and you know the buyout guys and all that. Who knows by the end of the season, but still it's going to be a long off season for all of them. So how about we uh, talk a little NBA draft lottery, seeing how that's kind of well, the next hold on, thing. hold on. I want, I want to tell you why I think the Knicks are going to be worse. All right, go for it. Sorry, I looked at the they clock. Owe, <laughs> they owe Evan Fournier for the next two seasons, $19 million a year, not total per year. A guy that did not leave the bench during the playoffs that seems like it might be a little bit of an anchor uh i don't trust randall and rj really needs to make a jump he goes from this year uh he's on, still on his rookie deal next year he's getting paid the the big boy bucks if you're getting paid the big boy bucks you really gotta gotta perform and you can see flashes of it and i'm a big rj fan but they got jalen brunson but you mentioned it with with tibbs it's all well and good the first year when you're pushing that car and you're you know redlining it and seeing how far you, you, you can push it. But after year one, when you go into year two and three and you're playing a guy 48 minutes and yeah, it was one playoff game, but this is kind of Tibbs, what Tibbs does is he just plays these guys like crazy through the regular season. And then they tend to flame out once they get to the playoffs. And I think that that's, what's going to end up happening. They got one uh, upset win over Cleveland. And so, because the Knicks have been so terrible they, they lost, but pretty quickly afterwards, there was just a lot of, oh, yeah, you know what? Pretty pretty good year. Yeah, yeah I like it. It's just like, all right, if that's what uh, if that's your level for this was success, all right, take it. But that's why I think next year, I, I don't think they're going to they're gonna be as good. I, I still think this was an overachieving year. I think the Cleveland series was a big overachieving, or a huge disappointment for Cleveland, maybe, because they kind of beat Cleveland at their own game. Like the stuff that I thought Cleveland was going to be better at, we you know we talked about Mobley and Allen. You, I had Allen as my defensive player of the year vote like early on. You had Mobley the whole year and 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 throughout the year, but they they weren't the better defensive team. It wasn't even close. Like the Knicks were, and 
And then Miami just dismantled them, basically. Did the same thing. I mean, it got a little closer down the way, but uh, Butler was hurt at the beginning. And uh, if Butler was hurt, or if Butler had came in healthy and, you know, didn't have the the, the ankle issue, like, is is this series over even faster? And now you're looking at it's not, hey, you know, the Knicks looked pretty good in the first round. It's how bad was Cleveland? Was it just a matchup, or what happened there? I don't know. All right, so last last four here. How about you? Got any, you want to say anything else about the other teams? The Knicks, Philly. No, I got, you're good. No, I said I said all, all my things. All right, so the, it's down to four. It's Boston versus the Zombie Miami Heat. The Zombie Miami Heat that lost the first playing game, and then was down in the fourth quarter of the second one, and then played the number one seed, Milwaukee Bucks, and beat them. What they beat them in five, six? I don't even. Yes, they beat them in five. How are these, these guys? Was, have, or what? No, no, maybe it was six. It does, no, that, I think no, I think it was five. I think it might. Have been, I don't. Know, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's so long ago. They, 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 we just went to seven with with Philly right now. We got a couple days off, but they don't have Hero. They don't have Oladipo. Jimmy has at least seven injuries wrong with him that seem to not be bothering him in even the slightest way. But I saw his ankle twist. I saw it happen. All right, I saw it. It's it's a real that thing. That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> All right, didn't yet somehow he's fine again. It's it's, it's okay. It's just Jimmy doing Jimmy stuff, and I'm so terrified of this team. I again, I I think we were clearly the better team, but I also felt like the other two teams that Miami beat were also clearly the better team, and they didn't seem to have any problem with any of them. I still think Tatum has a chance to do what he just did Game Seven. I'm terrified that Jimmy's about to do that to us because he's done that as well. And I, I tell you, nobody's more excited to come to Boston than Jimmy. I think he's excited to make some noise. Yeah. I think he's excited to see this team. There's some interesting matchups here. I'm I'm expecting this series to go seven. I see no other way around it. And I still think we, we are, like, head and shoulders the better team. But I, see, I just see the playoff magic of, of Miami. This heat culture is, is threatening. They play tough. They, they, they just hit you where you don't want to be hit. And they, they get the job done. I, I don't know how else to say it. So I, I think Boston's going to win. But I think it's gonna go seven. I have no other way around it. I, and I think I, I think you're kind of crazy to not think that at this point, based on everything that Miami has done. Like, could you even imagine a sweep? Like, what would would Miami just suddenly fall back down yes. to earth? Yes, I can imagine that. This team starts Kevin Love. He was bought out this year. A team that made the playoffs said no, thank you. And then the Miami came in and scooped him up, and he starts for them. He's got gray in his beard. He's got gray in his hair, and he's gonna start. He's so slow. Like defensively, that's the pick and roll. I'm t- I'm going after him. Who's he gonna guard? They they they're starting uh, Max Struess. Max Struess played for the Celtics a few years ago, and might have been like on our G League team. And we said, Nah, no, no, thank you. And obviously, he's improved a bunch, but I, I just look at it and it just my this is my main concern. It's been all over ESPN that. Uh, based on their BPI, whatever metric, that the the Heat only have a three percent chance to, to to beat us. Well, that is the worst case scenario for us. Anytime that we got a lead on the Sixers, that was when the next game we relaxed, we messed around. Oh, and beads out. Ah, we'll, we'll be fine. Nope, wrong. So my my concern is we just went. We had to win Game Six. We had to win Game Seven. Now this Game One shows up and. Well, we don't have to win. Be nice. And then they're going to come out and they're going to mess around. And all of a sudden, Jimmy Butler's going to have 40 and we're going to be down 0-1 <laughs> right off the bat. 
Yeah, not, I just reiterate Miami's. They have no home court advantage. Let, not even because they're in 10th seed, but because Miami doesn't have great fans anyways. Like, they're the coming to Boston, Jalen Challenger by Game 7 is going to be very different than we go into Miami. And yet Miami's still doing it. They're, they're, like, it doesn't matter. They won how many games on the road already? This like that scares me a lot too. That they're not scared to go into your in your home and kick your own ass. Like they're, they're this is going to go seven. I, I, I it's going to go. It's going to be stressful. I'm going to quit on the Celtics at least six times because that's what I do. <laughs> they they have these awful quarters and halves and points to the, that I just like. How, do we forget how to play basketball? Like smart does crazy things that make me gray my hair and pull out my beard hair. It just it's painful. It's all painful. It's it's all painful, yet I love it, and we're still competitive, and I'm really excited to go against this. I'm worried Spolster is going to pull out some crazy coaching strategy that I've never heard of. Like, he's going to reinvent, like, the defensive zone, and Missoula's not going to have any idea what to do. I, I don't know what is going to do, but there's going to be a weird game where he just tricks him into something. I, I have no idea what it's going to be. The Kyle Lowry-Marcus Smart battle. Keep keep a scoreboard oh on the non basketball the, the, the plays grift, there. The grift off. <laughs> yeah, so uh, keep a score on that grifting. That that'll be interesting. But that's gonna be so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I know it is. Uh, all right, real quick, Lakers Denver. Another playing tournament. The Los Angeles Lakers go on, and are gonna be facing Denver. Now Denver's look fantastic. I have nothing but nice things to say. Out of all of the teams left of these four, I like Denver the most because they get a good shot off every single possession. And it doesn't really matter how that possession starts or who ends up with it. It just seems to always be a good shot. And they have good players. You know, we're at the point right now where there's only four teams left. You know, a lot of guys have other players that are really good. It's what happens with the best teams, you know, dwindle <laughs> down to the end here. So it's going to come a lot more down to these matchups. And I just think if you can force the matchups like like the Celtics were able to do in that game seven, or if you're not able to do it like Philly, I, I, I think you're in trouble. And I just think Denver forces the best matchups because they take the best shots every possession. And if you're just counting up whoever has the most possessions, I just like the odds on them always getting the job done. The Embiid-Jokic or Embiid-Jokic battle. I, I mean, that's, that is a battle. But I was Anthony Davis-Jokic battle is going to be interesting. I, I don't think either of them can guard one another. I think they're both the kryptonite of each other. Like the, That's the, the last guy you ever want to go against, and it'll be funny to see which one's essentially able to outlast the other. The supporting cast of the Lakers seems to be a big storyline, you know, but I, I, I feel like we're, real quick we're going to be saying, I can't believe we were counting on D'Angelo Russell. I can't believe we were counting on Hachimura and Vanderbilt and all of that. And, and sure, it's panned out very great, but I think this is going to be the series where we're finally like, we're counting on these guys to hit these corner threes, and meanwhile, Denver has no problem making that corner three a whole lot of times. So, I'm taking Denver in six. I've been on the Lakers. You didn't even you didn't even mention one of their starters in Schroeder that played for the Celtics for half a year and was pretty frustrating. He, he he's not even in our rotation this year, right? If you were on the team for Boston, yeah. No, he's probably sitting next to Pritchard. I. Right? Yeah, I you Which know, is wild that he starts for the Lakers and is in there in crunch time and plays like all the time. It, it's like he, he's a real guy. He's not a low basketball IQ player, man. Like he's at least he at least gets it. There's there's a a brashness with him that I don't I think he clashes and maybe maybe his shot selection is not always great and maybe he's not the best guy to have around young guys, but you know I I don't know, maybe they're having problems with that in LA right now, but he's got some older leaders over there. Versus he was a lot older, or maybe not a lot older, but he was older. 
than some of the guys in Boston, and I don't know if that just meshed poorly, but he's not a dumb basketball player. Like, I think he gets it, and I, and I think he's a little bit better at managing that offense and understanding that I just need to get these two guys the ball and hope that they make a better play with it, then I don't have to really make the play. Austin Reeves has been great, though. I'll give you that. That's 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 something I don't, think well. I, I don't think I was going to say that, at least confidently, ever, and I don't see how you can't say that at this point. I think he's he's just a solid basketball player. Makes really good decisions. He's good with the ball. He's strong. He's a hell of a lot stronger than anyone's giving him credit for. He's got a nice nice pump fake and gets to where he wants to in the lane. He's uh he's very good with his footwork in gaining those little inches, those little pump fakes, those little moves, getting little fouls. And that that's kind of impressive and nobody really talks about it. It's kinda of like the thing the superstars do very well. It's those little inches, the little little nudges here and there where they're able to trick the defender and to do all that. He's getting a little creative with that and I like Kind of like that, especially off screen sometimes. Just a good pump fake. Either way, I'm taking Denver. I feel like Denver's been the best team of the tournament. And this Lakers thing, like the, I don't want, I don't like the idea that this one seed is going to also go down to a playing team. I, I this, this isn't the NBA I grew up in, and I don't want to live in it right now. All right, Miami has to go away. The Lakers have to go away. I'm done rooting for the chaos. It's time for the big boys to show up and the actual adults to win this. And I think the adults are Boston and Denver, and hopefully those are the finals we get to see. Uh, how many games you give in the Lakers, Denver? Denver and seven. seven. This is not the same team from earlier this year. I don't get it all the way. This team started two and ten, and down the stretch, it wasn't a lock they were going to make the playoffs. And now they're just going on this run. They did make the trades at uh, at the deadline to really shake things up, and I, I, I. I Maybe that's what switched all of it. I, I don't know. Apparently, LeBron has got this injury that just doesn't matter anymore. But he, he's playing great. And really, it's it's Anthony Davis has just been at peak Anthony Davis and hasn't gotten hurt, hasn't been out for a half or had to miss games when he's in there. And he's just roaming the paint, and it is just prime Anthony Davis down there. It, it's So you're, you, you feel better about the Lakers than you do Miami. <laughs> that's great. It's so you hate yeah. you hate Miami more than you hate the Lakers is really what I'm getting at. I, I that's that's a big no. transitive property right there. But no, you you asked you, know, you asked what I what I thought was going to happen, and I said seven. What I want to happen is I want Denver to sweep. So we'll see. Lakers are down by the uh, by the ocean. They're going to have to go way up into the mountains. There's there's not one conditioning's in in check. There's not one shred of you that wants Lakers Boston in the finals just to have one shot at them, or are you terrified of the possibility of that not going well in the entire that's league? Be so, if we can if we can make it there and the Lakers are, are there, that is gonna be so stressful. So you don't you don't want that to happen. It's See, not I, just the Lakers. It's it's this Lakers team and LeBron. It's a play-in team. See, I think we'll beat the Lakers. I don't think we'll beat Denver, and I think we're gonna have a hell of a time with Miami still. And, I, and the only thing I worry about, all of this especially, is that we're going to go through another battle through Miami that even if we win this, we're going to come out of it as if it was a seven-game series regardless. Because that's just that's who Miami is. They just beat the hell out of you. And then if you can't stick with them, they just keep winning. They just show up the next game. And that's like, where I'm hoping we're, we're we're a deeper team this year than we were last year. And just hoping we kind of – that beating that we take, we just kind of spread it out a little more and everyone comes out a, a, little, a little better. Well, we'll see what the NFL script writers have saved, uh, saved up for us this time. Uh, speaking of not so fun story here, uh, let's let's just touch on the John Morant thing. This is gonna be real quick, right? This is it. It happened again. He, 
I, you know, the the legality of all that, I, I don't really know. You know, I, I believe you're still allowed to have guns in this country. I don't know the circumstances of every single situation, but I, I just, this is way too soon. And it's it's his own, it's his own doing of, of John Morant being filmed in a video on Instagram Live again, holding holding a, a gun. And it's it's not the first time, it's not even the first time this season. He was already been suspended. He's already done counseling. The, the, the suspension earlier was as mild as I've ever seen a suspension for something that could be taken as seriously. And I thought that he would take it seriously after that. And I thought the league, I think the league kind of really missed on this because it, it, they really wanted John the playoffs is really what happened here. At least that's kind of the feeling I got out of all this. And maybe they dropped the ball a little bit on the first suspension to the point where here we are again. Like, I, I'm not even sure if everything has been entirely wrong, but it just seems like we asked for the lack of association with this sort of stuff. And, that seems to not really be getting through right now. Now, maybe maybe I need to address myself for having a problem with it, but I, I don't feel like I'm really in the wrong here. It doesn't doesn't seem like he really needs to be proving himself with that kind of attitude or that sort of persona where you're a basketball player, man. Just be really good at basketball. You don't, you don't need to be anything else. Like I, If that's just who you are, man, this isn't going to work. Your basketball career is going to wrap up, and it's going to be over. You're going to look back at it like, what happened? And, and it's going to be over something that you're going to be like, that was it? Like that, That's all I had to do? And I don't know. That's where we're at. I'm thinking big suspension. I'm hearing 20 plus games. I wouldn't be shocked if he's gone for at least half a season to a full season. I just think that this is something we don't want to play around with. We already we already walked around a little bit with the, the dainty suspension and the time served prior, which also was a little bullshit. I think if you're going to give him an eight game suspension and he just starts sitting while you guys are being judgments of all of it, like that's time served. Nah, I should have been eight games on top of it all at the end, especially now that it just happened again. So. I, I don't know if suspension is necessarily the solution here, but did I don't the, know how else you get Did the league even suspend him? It was just it was just the team the first time, right? Well, it was an investigation of, of which they had a hard time really finding. Like, what did he do wrong exactly here? Like, it's it's an image thing. Oh, it's it's it, this one too. It's it's all optics because they 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 looked into it and it had to do more with if he had brought the gun on the plane, which I never really heard a definitive kind of ending on that but it seems like they don't think that he did because i think that would have been more of an issue or they just kind of said let's let's not look too too deeply into this but I, I agree with you of you are allowed to you know legally have have a gun in this country uh it's different state to state and where you can have it and i i i don't know exactly like when you're in a car you you can you could transport it but i don't know if you could just have it in your hand while you're just hanging out but i think this has way more to do with not you are breaking the law and what is it uh, we've heard about in the past with like the nba where it's a uh it's like a clause where it's just like you're hurting the image of the nba and i think it kind of just falls under that a little bit of which is just, just what are you doing what are you doing like he, you're one of the the guys that the the kids like the most it's like ja steph maybe a little bit of tatum up here in the in, in the northeast i just don't think the nba wants one of their premier stars like, being associated with the you know ha having a gun in videos more than once and there's also the uh there and i think it's just it's, it's all these like small to medium it's not one thing it's not you know a dui or it's not something that's you know like oh man this this one's real bad they really gotta you know take take care of this this, this is not good you know breaking the law sexual assault regular assault all all, all those it's, it's nothing like that but there's been four incidents this year alone, and it just, you know, 
you're becoming a, a habitual line stepper. So it, it, it's not good. I'm worried that the suspension isn't doing it because this guy didn't get all NBA this year. He was clearly an all NBA talent. This absolutely ruined it. I don't think he missed enough games to really not even qualify for it. But I know this put enough distaste where, you know, there's probably about 20 guys that are worthy for all NBA and you got to whittle it down to 15. And the, the position situation is complicated based on past years and whatever rule changes they make in the next years. But it's it's stiff competition. It's something as simple like this that is going to stop you from being all NBA, which is going to stop you from being eligible for what? You, you really More think that? More money. I, I do. don't think that. I do. I do think that. You don't, what you think it was just because he wasn't good enough? You think there was fifteen guys clearly better in draw this year? I think he. I guess you could say that it did impact it because he sat out for eight games, and so if he had played those eight games, then you're play you're playing more games. So if you're saying if you mean like that impacted it, but I don't think guys or the voters looked at it and said, "What's going on in these guys after?" After hours, what's going on? Uh, no, I think it's because like, he only played 61 games this year. All right, well then, if yeah, that well, if he plays those eight games, I think that puts him above that 65 mark where you get you get more votes. It, it it's like yeah, you know, it, there might have been guys that played like four more games than him, and that might have been all the difference was that made all NBA. Like I don't know, I don't know the numbers of all those guys, but I know none of them played every single game either. No, I'm not expecting him to play 82, and the number drops every year, but. 61 i'd have to say is on on the low side and it, it i would say if there is a hey this is pretty close i'm not sure which way i'm gonna go well which guy plays more games which guy is more available able to help his team win more well you're also not helping my argument of trying to help jaw from getting out of these situations i'm telling you it's costing him money it cost him his respect of being an all nba that i think he could have been and was on pace to be and it's kind of crazy that he wasn't because of this in my mind it, I mean, they were a two seed, and you got, all right. They're a two seed. Who's the best player on the team? It's him. It wasn't like they were going to oh, give yeah. it to someone else. Like you, you can't be a two seed and not have an All NBA guy, or at least not have an All NBA guy in the discussion. So I, I think it cost him that. The other thing is they were a two seed and they lost in the first round. So like it, it's just the momentum of everything. There's there's reasons they didn't have the bigs, and maybe it's a bad matchup with the Lakers kind of storming on a little bit late. They aren't your traditional ten seed, nine seed, or whatever seed that seven seed they ended up being. It's who who are you taking off? Who are you taking off the uh, the All NBA team? You want me to give you who it was? Oh, I would take Dame. You take Dame off. I right. take Dame out. Yeah, I I'm sorry. Right. Like I I loved. Like, does Dame deserve to be there? Yeah, but like I said, there's it, it's tough. All right, it's supposed to be hard. I'm supposed we're supposed to argue over this. It shouldn't be like yeah, it's the easy easy fifteen to get because if it was if it was an easy fifteen, we'd only have fifteen talented guys. We have more than fifteen talented guys in the league. It should be hard competition for this, and it should come down to how good your team is and how effective it is and how much you mattered to the team. And and I, and I think he checks all those boxes, and he it was a two-seed. So, like, he checks that box, which none of the other guys could really do. There's only only four teams that could have said they were a top two team, you know? So yep. I, I I just think he he didn't do himself any favors, and now, and now it's costing him a little bit more. And now it cost him, I feel like, the season a little bit to some degree because it was a huge distraction. And now they're starting the next season where – they're inevitably, I think, going to start with some form of suspension. I'm guessing it's going to be yeah, long. He's, he's, he's suspended right now. Well, they suspended him from team activities, so I don't really know what that means. But because I, I kind of thought at this point all the guys are, you know, on vacation pretty much. So it's kind of similar to before of, 
are you really punishing this guy? Does this matter to you? Does If it doesn't, just say it doesn't matter and don't suspend him and say, hey, you know, we're working with him. But this whole, uh, yeah, he's going to counseling and now he's fixed. And just, wait, what? what? What is this? Well, then, then it was, did you go to counseling for drinking? And he was like, no, I don't have a drinking problem. And he's like, well, what did you go to counseling for? And it was like, none of your business. It's like, wait, wait, why? how... <laughs> That's okay. Not, that's not how that. I don't think that's how that works. Like it can. It doesn't have to be drinking, but there can be an explanation. And I don't think you could be frustrated for people wanting to know. It isn't really any of our business. But there's a there's a possible all NBA player right now who's a two seed, not playing anymore because of some really weird situations. And then he's attending counseling out of out of a. We we. Uh, this, it's the thing is we. This is the same thing we went through uh, a few months ago where it said, "Hey, all right." Easiest thing you can do, don't film yourself with a gun. And then down to like, hey, you know, if you really need to bring a gun. Also, it's like, hey, just don't bring your gun into the strip club. Have it somewhere else. You know, have somebody hold on to it for you. Or you, just all like all the way down the line. But like the easiest one being, don't film yourself and post it. It, I, that just seems the easy one. That that that's the one that concerns me the most. That you you're not realizing that that this will get you in trouble, and you still mess around with it. All right, so this is really the, the advice of Zach is no social media and you can have all the guns you want. But no social yeah, media. Yeah, pretty much. And you're you're yeah. you're in the clear. All right? You don't do anything stupid around people you don't trust and you don't do any social media because that's basically what social media is is you performing in front of people you don't trust. It's just going to get you in trouble. All right. Well, I spent way too much time on that and we we're way over on the podcast. So you're getting a lot of bonus time today because I'm not slowing down with the lottery. It's happening this week. It is tomorrow, I believe. The Huge. Web- it, what, th- this is the biggest lottery this since LeBron, right? Yeah, and I, I, I don't even think it's close. Maybe um, maybe uh, the Kevin Durant year, but that was even there was the Odom and Durant. So I, I think it's got to be it's like whoever wins this, you're getting Wembenyama, and you're expected that you, maybe not next year, but you're about to have a decade of prosperity. He's going to go to one of these teams. There's, it is still a lottery, which is what we're going to find out tomorrow on which one of these teams will have the top pick. I think it's inevitable that he will definitely go number one. There's still a lot of other talent in the in this draft that I think will be interesting to see where other guys fall. But rather than kind of you know really play the odds of the lottery, let's just say which team you more or less want him to go to. Now there's some rationale that's not just not going to make any sense in here because the teams I'm going to pick have no shot at this actually happening rather than a really, <laughs> really long shot. But Detroit has the best odds. I truly don't have a problem with him going to Detroit. I'd say the only team I really just don't want to get it is Houston. And, and it's it's really nothing against the franchise of Houston. It's just the roster that they already have there is a group of guys that play a very ugly style of basketball. They don't pass. They have five guys on the floor that don't want to pass, and I, and he'll be immediately better than every single one of them. And I, and I just, I don't want, I don't want to watch him have the frustrations of being a rookie, being like all these second, third year guys just being ball hogs, saying, well, you know, maybe when you're in your second or third year, you can have some t- shots. It's like that's not going to happen. I don't want that to even happen. And I think that's already a conflict happening right now, regardless whether they get Webb and Yama or whoever else they get. That's that's a problem for Houston. So I don't want him to go to Houston because that just seems messy to me. I don't really have any problem with it all. If I had to handpick, like, let's just drop him here. It's either Portland or Orlando. Like, let's just drop him in one of those spots, and let's just see what happens. Let's save Dame. Let's keep Dame from requesting to trade and doing the thing he doesn't want to do and putting him in a situation where he it's going to kill Portland forever. And I, I would love for Dame to stay. He wants to stay. Let's, let's get him some help. It would be awesome if they could get Wemby. They have no shot at it. They are, what, the fifth team? Odds, it, it's... It's not going to happen, but 
that's that's who I would pick. Who who would you pick, and who do you not want him to go to if you could control it? I don't want him to go to Orlando. I don't want I don't want him messing with Paulo and just getting all all just a mess over there. Orlando just got the number one pick last year. I don't want a Cleveland situation where you're rewarded for being bad and then you just handed more number one picks. Uh, Orlando's already gotten number one picks, you know, in in the past, so they they know how that was. So I don't think that would be that would be very fair. They got their franchise guy, you know, build around that. Don't think uh, just if you're you should be getting back to back number ones. Uh, the one that I said uh, that I would kind of prefer would be if uh, the Spurs got him. They still got pop there. I feel like out of all of these teams that are towards the bottom, they did the the least amount of just kind of blatant tanking. They haven't been good. I don't think they've really tried to be good, but I just just for whatever reason, and it could just be pops there, and I just think of it differently. But just some of that really ugly, ugly tanking, which I think Houston has just been doing, and like you said, just ugly basketball, and you just got guys out there, just uh, it's just just gross. Uh, for by long shot. Out of nowhere, never going to happen. But where I would really like him to go uh, is New Orleans. Pair him up with Zion. Let him run. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, Zion will never play. You know, he could coordinate his outfits. Like, he could start wearing Wemba, Wemba Yama jerseys on the sideline. It would be great. You know, he could get some pom-poms. You know, a little cheer uh, okay. section. All right. All right. Well, you know, Zion was the number one pick. And, you know, we'll see what happens with, with this guy. You know what happened to the number one pick last year? He got hurt. So, you know, people get hurt. It happens. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun because they're they're a team that was on the cut. Obviously, they're the, the the worst odds. Uh, were on the, were in the playing game. Had a uh, you know would have been better if Zion had been healthy. But if you had had another guy like that, all of a sudden, uh, in New Orleans is a fun city, so they deserve to have fun. Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be real fun. You know, he'd be uh, he'd be great if he get on that uh, that diet that he's on over there with Zion. You know, maybe he spends the whole off season with him there, gain, gain a little a couple pounds. You know, Chet Chet could show up too. I'm sure he could use a few. Well, see, I haven't seen Chet in a while. I'm kind of excited for Chet. I, I don't know really what to expect. I think Wemby's kind of taken a lot of the, the, the shine from him because he is also a very tall, coordinated guy doing a lot of di- lot of different basketball plays you don't generally see with somebody that size. The body types are completely different with both of them, but their body types I haven't really seen in the NBA, at least moving quite like that ever. The, the Wemby-Yama jump shot, the step back and the size – of comfort and touch that he has. It's, it's real special, man. Like I, I know we've been counting down for this for quite some time now, and th- there's no surprises anymore. Like we know it's going to be him. We know he's going to be there. I just hope we get to see him play. I don't want the rookie that sits out all year. And, and I think he's going to be good. Like, I think he's going to be pretty good almost right off the bat. I, I, I think it's going to be a LeBron situation where if, if that that's the way he's being built. I mean, I'm not expecting him to come in and, uh, you know, lead a team to the finals. But if if, if he comes in and it's not a, like, I, I want to watch this guy, I mean, I'm going to be disappointed. If he's not, you know, really helping a team win and, like, you're just, like, astounded with the stats he's putting up. I think Weminyama will make the playoffs in his second year. And I think that's kind of a LeBron type of goal where, you're, you're competitive maybe the first season, depending on what team you fall to, but I think by the second season, and you if you are truly who you say you are and you kind of suck this whole season, you get another pick, 
I I, I just I think they think they have a, I think you're you're immediately in a two year build here where you're gonna be you're gonna be in a really good spot. If you're any of the teams, any of the teams here, I think you're within two years you're you're at least a playing team. You might even be a playing team this year. Like if he goes to like Washington, yeah, Indiana, that's true with the playing. It does make it a little easier. And and that that would be exciting too. And I do hope Zion comes back too. You know, like all all jokes aside, like I I really would love to see Zion playing. There was a point in time this year where New Orleans was also like a two seed, and he was incredible. He was awesome. Even even Ingram had a, had a good season at times. It just seems like they couldn't do all couldn't that. Put it all together. Couldn't put it all together. And if they just put it together, it, there really was something there. Uh, the problem is, is there was a style of play I think they'd had with with Zion there, and the second he pulled him out, it had changed. Too much. Like it was a different. Yeah, he's, team. he's he's awesome, but it's a pretty unique style that's very unlike the the Warriors brought everybody in of threes. Yeah, and there's not exactly like we'll get the poor man Zion just to fill in. Like what what is what is that even does that even exist? Like what does that even mean? I don't think it. I don't think it exists. Yeah. All right. Well, those are the the teams we don't want to get them, and the teams that we do want to get them. It'll more than likely end up being Detroit, but uh, no, man, it's a. Uh, it's equal at the top now, remember? Detroit, Houston, and San Antonio each have a 14% chance of getting it. I th- remember, that, like, a few years ago, they flattened out the odds to make it to try to make it so the teams at the bottom wouldn't super tank to get the bottom. It's like, hey, if you're bottom three, you're bad enough. You don't need to make me, like, really ugly. All right. Well, out of those three, I'm picking Detroit. Who are you picking? Uh, San Antonio. You want me to run the uh, the tankathon? See See who wins? I can let you know. We'll let you know a little at a time. No, that's that, that's all right. Uh, we're already played some overtime today, so I want to play the outro music and get us out of here. Uh, let's see other little quick things in the the short news broadcast here. Bronny signs the USC, kind of a big deal, not a big deal. LeBron James' son signing the USC. I don't know. He's okay. I, it's it's a good move. Maybe he'll be in Space Jam Four. Uh, Bo Jackson had the hiccups for almost a year. Where'd you find that? And where's this coming from? That's like the history book. <laughs> No, it's currently going right on. He's going to get a medical procedure done because oh. he's had the hiccups for so long. Oh, that's active. I thought this was like, yeah, my season when I was playing blah, 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 I had the hiccups for all year. And they were like, no. what? Like, no, that is happening right now. He is struggling because he, he constantly has the hiccups. Man, that just sounds so... Tell you what, couldn't do the podcast. I mean, I stutter enough, but I, I don't think you'd want to listen to the hiccup podcast. Right? And I was thinking with, with the hiccups... I know when I was having uh, my problems with, with, with my hips and, you know, mention it to people, people, I mean, they, they mean the absolute best, but are saying, hey, you're thinking like maybe new shoes. Have you tried like this stretching, uh, you know, just different things like, oh, like, well, my cousin had this, you know, maybe, maybe it's this, maybe it's Lyme's disease, just all sorts of things. Well, with hiccups, everybody has the grandmother's recipe for fixing the hiccups. So can you imagine how often, like throughout the day, be like, oh, you got the hiccups? I got the cure. Yeah, let's do this super weird, bizarre thing that makes you look ridiculous, and then for him, doesn't cure his hiccups. <laughs> Endlessly frustrating. I would not be asking for that or wishing that upon anybody. That sounds just continuously frustrating. Uh, all right, Zach, you got like 30 seconds here. Give me the best excuse you can for Mark Jackson for getting to put Jokic on his MVP ballot. Any excuse at all. What's the it- best one you got? It's ridiculous. There is no excuse. If you have a vote, it's what is it? It, it? You put five guys down. Take your time. It, it, we argue about it all year, and then you find out a voter like just absentmindedly just forgets a guy. It, he's a real person. He exists. That is oh, that is so embarrassing. I, I 
Look, I'm just... You're subconscious as a basketball person at this point. Like, he has to pop in at the top five at this point. Like, what more does he need to do? He's won two MVPs. This is basically saying, I just am not even considering him this. Like, we've never given anyone else three. We can't ever give this guy three. Or this guy's undeserving of three. Like, that's that's not how it works. It's a year-to-year -year thing. I'm not saying we got it wrong this year. I'm fine with Embiid getting it. But there's no way he shouldn't have been outside the top five for anybody who takes basketball serious. I'm fine with him coming out and being honest with it. I'm not fine for everyone just kind of accepting it. Like, I think he should lose his vote for a year or something. Like, there should be punishments. Like, this is this is critical. This is costing people money. The, the, the contracts of all NBA are huge right now for the Supermax. And I'm not saying it screwed Jokic in any way or anything like that, but that's this kind of stuff shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. I don't like it. No excuse. I'm with you on that. No uh, excuse. Anything else for the people out there? Uh, I just ran the uh, the Tankathon uh, lottery, and uh, the Utah Jazz are going to win the first pick and going to get uh, Wemby. So you guys don't even need to watch tomorrow. Already locked in. I got you guys. <laughs> well, I hope the Celtics are able to have some success against the Miami Heat. It's going to be the zombies. I'm scared, Will. There's zombies out there, and we got to get ready. Number one rule, cardio. Remember that. <laughs> Go Celtics. Stab them right in the head. Oh, man, I don't think they even have a heart to stab him in. We'll be back. Well, little column A, little column B.